Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 Podcast, your weekly podcast that explores the origins and developments of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's a good one this week. We're looking forward to this one. After last week's adventure with Sargon the Sorcerer, we can welcome the return of another Golden Age DC Comics legend mm-hmm. who hasn't really been around very much recently, it seems. True. He's had one appearance in a very short backup story in this in this comic, and that was a, a little while ago, but he hasn't made a proper appearance in a very long time. But we'll talk a bit more about that. Peter's going to tell you about the cover to issue 215 of The Flash. Again, we're in that strange period where we don't have a proper DC logo. Instead, in the top left corner, we have the Flash in a circle running towards us. And and either side of him, it says DC, the Flash. Then we have the main Flash logo at the top. And we've got the big sticker that says 52 big pages. Don't take less. Only 25 cents. Right above the Comic Code Authority logo. Yes, we're approaching the the absolute end of the 52 page don't take less era. George, that we talked about a bit more in, in a bit more detail on our hundred pages and giants episode, but it's kind of odd. I thought we might have covered more comics that have had this sort of yeah <laughs> stamp. It doesn't feel like we've done many at all. Oh, well. Anyway, and there's some other text in this cover. Uh, Banner says a new double flash thriller, Death of an Immortal, plus a showcase flash classic, Man Who Broke the Time Barrier. But that's just all the chats. The main image in the cover is phenomenal. Mm. We have a spotlight. In the spotlight is the original Flash, Jay Garrick. He's lying down. Is he injured? Is he dead? We don't know. His helmet's off at the sides, cradling him, cradling the back of his head in his hand is the Silver Age Flash, Barry Allen. And he's looking up and he's saying, You savage! Why did you have to kill him to get at me? And in the background we can see part of a figure wearing dark clothes with white highlights. Mm. And yeah, he's got one foot in the spotlight and he's got a hand in his hip, but we don't know anything about this character. Very fascinating. There's a bit of a hint there as to what Barry Flash has said, though, who, could, who it could be. Yes. Stay tuned, folks. Yeah, well, I'm about to spoil it all straight away, more or less, really. The interesting thing, if you look at Jay in this cover, mm-hmm. and this is the 33rd Neil Adams cover that we've, we've done, listeners, if you're keeping count at home. Do you think Jay looks a bit like vastly overrated actor Mark Rylance? Ah, uh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> or is it just me? You know, because he looks particularly craggy and down in the dumps. <laughs> tell you, listeners, I, I saw a production of Othello a few years ago um, where Mark Rylance was playing Yago, and it was shocking. It was like they cast Paul Whitehouse to play Adolf Hitler. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> sort of thing you'd get if you cast Nicole Scherzinger to play Margaret Thatcher. Do you know what I mean? Well, yes. Anyway... This story, Flash 215, originally published on 9th of March 1972, comes a couple of issues after Flash issue 213, which was published on 18th of January 1972. And issue 213 of the Flash, by astonishing coincidence, reprinted issue 137 of the Flash. And that was originally a sale in April of 1963, and we originally did it dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes ago. Yes. So uh-huh. if you want to remind the listeners, you can go back and wrap your ears around that. But the reason we mention issue 213 and its reprint of 137 is because issue 213 and issue 137 present the first Silver Age appearance of the character Vandal Savage. Aha. Uh-huh. And it's a mild spoiler to tell you at this point, issue 215 is the first appearance of Vandal Savage since Flash 137. 
So he's been away for quite a long time. Mm, certainly has. Just about nine years. And of course, this is the first Barry and Jay Flash story where they both starred together in the main story in Issue of the Flash since issue 173, published back in July 1967. Can you believe? Crikey. It's been five years nearly time. since Jay and Barry have shared a story. Obviously, they were in last year's Justice League Justice Society team up. Yes. Uh-huh. But, you know, if we're talking just purely pages of the Flash, it's been a very long time. Mm-hmm. I'm holding up the cover mm-hmm. to Flash 213 for the benefit of our YouTube viewers. <laughs> that was also a Neil Adams cover for anyone who's worried. It's a cracker, if you ask me. Yes. It's interesting, actually, because you could almost put the image on the cover of 213 and 215 side by side. It almost looks as if they follow on from each other, actually, in a way. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Because... Yeah, Barry and Jay in the cover of two one three are fighting in a spotlight with Vandal Savage starting starting to the sides, uh-huh. and then two one five could almost yeah, pick it could up. Be. It's very very interesting. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was completely unintentional <laughs> part of Mister Neil Adams. But anyway, there we are. Shall we jump into the story? Let's do so. Awesome. The caption for the first panel on page one says: "Morning comes abruptly to Barry Allen, rousing him from a fitful sleep to face another day." Cracking shot of Barry shaving with an electric shaver. How 70s, how futuristic. Looking in the mirror and thinking. Oh man, they ought to pass a law against waking up before noon. I feel like (laughs) elves have been dancing on my head. I agree with you, Barry. I tell you. Um, (laughs) One one thing that Peter and I often talk about is the difference in our habits. Peter's an early riser. Yes, I'm a very early riser. I'm not really... (laughs) The nature of my job and stuff, it means that quite often I have late finishes and I don't have to go up at late. The other week I was complaining about having to be in Glasgow's West End at 10am. And by 10am on that Monday, you can bet Peter had been up for five hours and probably edited three episodes yep. and probably put 300 back issues out and sale in a shop and all that sort of stuff. Pretty much. Yep. But anyway, yes, that's a tangent for you there. <laughs> Panel two, Barry's moved back through the bedroom and he's getting dressed because him knotting his tie. He's wearing a, a lovely striped shirt. We can see at this point, we've alluded to this in the past because I think it's lovely, two separate beds there. Oh, love. Right, anyway, Barry's knotting his tie and thinking, I'll skip breakfast this morning. It's Iris's day off and the news hen can use the extra sleep. Panel three, Barry continues to think, Better get moving. Flash has an appointment to accept the Mayor's Good Citizen Award today and... And we see Barry operating the little switch on his ring, which makes it spring open and release his Flash uniform, but... Hey, where's my costume? Yeah, nothing's happened. Barry looks very surprised. The capture for panel four. Puzzled, the young police scientist turns to the one person who might aid him. And he turns to look at the sleeping lady in the bed near where he's standing. And wait a minute, this lady's blonde. Iris has got brown hair. Barry says... Sweetheart... Have you been washing my uniform again? Mm-mm. He continues. It figures. Where'd you put it? In the closet, where it usually is. And we turn to page two. Fascinating full-page image. From the bed, Iris, is it Iris, says, You'd better hurry, darling. I wouldn't want Keystone's most prominent resident to be late. To which Barry then exclaims, Keystone City? And he reaches into the wardrobe, lifts out, A familiar costume, which is hanging a coat hanger, and then he says, Hey, this isn't my costume. What's going on here? And we see that it's not the uniform that the Flash of Earth 1 would normally wear. No, it's the blue leggings, red top, and Mercury helmet of the Golden Age Flash, Jay Garrick of Earth 2. A caption says, What's going on, Barry Allen? An appropriate question indeed. 
one that will take you beyond the bounds of reality to an unexpected meeting with an old friend and an even older enemy. A meeting that will require more than the super-swift abilities of The, the Flash, Flash in Death, Death of, of an, immortal. an Immortal. Gosh, captions tell us that. Written by Len Wein, Art Irv Novik and Frank McLaughlin, plus Dick Giordano. Love a bit of Dick Giordano, what a guy. In the first panel of page three, Barry, grasping his counterpart's uniform, turns around and says, Iris, wake up. If this is some kind of joke, I... Huh? And both figures are surprised. Barry says in panel two, y- You're not my wife. You're Joan Garrick. And we see that indeed it's not Iris who's sat up, clutching the, the sheets to herself, but it's none other than Joan Garrick herself, who exclaims, And you're not my Jay. Barry Allen. What are you doing here? And where is my husband? Next panel, Barry's sat down. Joan's got up and got dressed. Some time may have passed. Joan looks stunning here, quite frankly. Good grief. Barry's saying, I don't know. Last night I went to sleep in my own bed on my own world. And this morning, I wake up in a different dimensional plane in the home of my other Earth counterpart. We then get a caption which is illustrated with an image that we haven't had too often yet in the podcast as the crow flies, really. No, I haven't had it recently, yeah. Caption says, A point of clarification for those who came in late. Know that there are infinite Earths occupying the same space but separated by different vibratory rates. Barry Allen is the Flash of Earth 1, while Jay Garrick plays the same role on the similar Earth 2. And we get... That favourite image of ours, of the two Earths circling and vibrating each other. Joyous. Barry looks very thoughtful in the next panel as he's saying, Something happened. Something shifted me from my Earth to yours. But what? What? And what may be more important, why? And where's Jay disappeared to? Says Joan, looking resplendent. A tight-fitting blue top, huge blue bow around the waist and a lovely yellow patterned skirt. Gorgeous. First panel of page four, Barry says, That's what I intend to find out. Did Jay have anything planned for today? Why, yes. He was going to accept the Mayor's Good Citizen Award this morning. Okay, he still will. Jay and I are about the same size and our powers are the same, so... With that, Barry puts on Jay's famous Mercury helmet. And then the caption in the next panel says... For an instant, Barry becomes a blur of motion and... He stands revealed, wearing Jay Garrick's uniform. Wow! Why is it taking so long for this to happen? I know. <laughs> That's that's tremendous. Anyway, Barry continues. All I have to do is maintain the same inner vibrations Jay does to disguise his features, and nobody will know the difference. I only hope Flash's presence at the presentation will be as unexpected as you think it will, says Joan in the next panel, panel four. Barry, in Jay's costume, zooms off from the Garrick house, saying, It had better be. It's the only hope we've got of discovering what happened to Jay, Flash. A lithe crimson figure hurtles through the streets of Keystone City, hardly noticing the differences between this metropolis and his own. Yes, great shot of Barry and Jay's outfit zooming through the street and dislodging a gentleman's hat. That's quite amusing. As he speeds along, the Flash is thinking. Strange. When I started out today to pick up that award, I never dreamed I'd end up accepting it for someone else a world away. And we arrive now at the top of page five. The caption for the first panel there says... Shortly, the air in front of City Hall is warmed by glowing praises for the fastest man alive. Yep, the Flash, standing on a nice little raised platform. Usual sort of thing you see at these sort of celebrations. 
And the mayor is a suited figure who's holding a large certificate. The mayor is saying, And furthermore, the people of Keystone City owe you a debt that can hardly be repaid by this small token of... But Barry's not really listening. He's thinking, Darn. No one in the crowd seems surprised or shocked that Flash showed up. And we see in the crowd, nice mix of folk, old and young. There's one conspicuously older-looking gentleman with a hat, green overcoat, very thick white beard, dark glasses. Hmm. Caption for panel two. After the formalities have ended. Yes, the crowd have closed in, and the Flash, Barry, and Jay's uniform signing autographs. Everyone looks very happy. And Flash is thinking... Feels strange filling another man's boots. The sooner I find Jay, the... Huh? And he's distracted because we see in panel three that the older man in the green coat with the beard that we saw in the previous panel has walked out into the middle of the street. Flash thinks... A runaway truck about to score a bullseye in that old man. Gotta get a move on. Caption for panel four. Living up to his name, the world's fastest human hurtles from the crowd and... Has he ever been called the world's fastest human before? (laughs) I don't think so. It's usually fastest man alive, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Barry Flash speeds out into the street, grabs the old man out of the way of the oncoming truck, zooms back towards the pavement, thinking, Got him, but Big Jumbo's still going to plough something unless I take a hand. Yeah, I suppose there's a hint there that this van might be out of control. The first panel of page six is captioned, Safely depositing his elderly burden on the curbside, Earth 2 substitute speedster continues the chase. Yep, Flash zooms back in, rushes up to the truck, opens the door, gets inside, and all while this is happening, he's thinking... It's swerving toward the sidewalk. Only instance to stop it. Slipping behind the wheel, Flash slams the brake to the floor and mouths a silent prayer. Interesting. So there was no one, was no one driving the truck? Hmm. Interesting. What's going on the other end? There's a screech of brakes as the truck pulls to a halt. Front wheels mount the pavement. From inside the cab, the Flash thinks... <sighs> Made it with inches to spare. Better check the old man, see if he's okay. Caption for panel three. Seconds later. Yes, we see the old man, who must be said, apart from the wine-brimmed hat, does look like um my late lamented friend and mentor, Mr. Peter Root. <laughs> the older gentleman is saying, uh, Oh, yes, I'm fine. Thank you, sir. I knew you'd rescue me. In fact, that's why I stepped in front of the truck. And Flash says, What? You did that on purpose? And the old guy continues in the final panel of page six. Of course. How else could I get to speak to you alone to tell you I know you're not the Flash? The tiny caption says we're continued in the second page following. We pass a full page advertisement. The sort of thing that Max and Rich would highlight on their Weird Warriors podcast. One of those joke shop catalogues. So the stuff to, for there's adverts for a skinhead wig, for a joy buzzer, for x-ray specs, silent dog whistle, see behind glasses, karate instructions, a Raquel Welch pillow. A Raquel Welch pillow? Craigie. Foaming sugar, surprise packages, secret book safe, werewolf horror mask, muscles of steel. I've got muscles of steel by definition. <laughs> Results in 30 days. Just do lots of press-ups and stretch against yourself. And Anyway, so we turn the page, the caption for the first panel, page 7. The air of the old man's apartment seems musty and stale as he and his curious companion enter. Yes, there's quite a lot going on. Some big curtains, some old furniture. There's a conspicuous crystal ball on a table in the foreground. Flash is saying, All right, we're alone. Now, tell me what this is all about. How'd you know I'm a ringer? The old man has taken off his hat and coat, put him down in a chair, and he says, Patience, my friend, patience. There are things you must know first to fully understand. My name is Dalvan. I'm a student of the occult, the so-called 
black arts. I've been spending years investigating the supernatural, its causes and effects. Great shot here, actually, as Barry tips back Jay's helmet. I like that. And he says, So what else is new? Witchcraft is in vogue this year. How does that involve me? It involves you deeply, because I know you're a fraud, because I know where the real flash is. Late last night, I was studying my mystic crystal and focused on an astounding sight. Come, I'll show you. And with that, the old man starts to move towards the crystal ball on the table. Caption for panel four says, The crystal glows brightly, images blur and congeal in its centre to reveal... Yes, Barry exclaims as he sees... The Flash! Jay Garrick! Where is he? And it looks as though Jay is just sort of hovering in some hollow blue void. The old man leans down and says... I fear he's in limbo. A place between places. A junction beyond reality. How or why he came to be there, I cannot say. Barry says... That's just great. Now, how do we get him out? And then the first panel of page 8, the elderly gentleman is now leaning down and opening a large trunk which is on the floor. What's he up to? I don't trust this guy at all, do you, listeners? Hmm. As he opens up the trunk, very fancy ornate thing, the old man says, Unfortunately, that too is beyond my ken. The most I can do is send you into limbo after him and hope that the two of you can gain your own salvation. Barry has taken off Jay's helmet at this point, we should say, and he says, Let's not waste any time. Get that mumbo-jumbo of yours working. Panel two was a bit very surprising thing indeed, as the old man is lifting up something very familiar, as he says, How noble, willing to risk your life for your friend. May I suggest your journey will be more comfortable in this? Barry looks very surprised as he exclaims, My flash costume! And the old man replies, Yes, change into it quickly. A sword is all then, a caption. The old man closes his eyes, mutters phrases long forgotten by men, and madness blossoms in the centre of the room. Barry's now wearing his own uniform. We see Jay's uniform on the floor. The old man is gesturing, and an oddly shaped hole has appeared in the fabric of the wall in front of him. Through it, we can see just a green void with Weird yellow and green and red shapes floating around. The old man is saying, Hurry, Flash. I cannot hold the gateway to Limbo open for long. Good luck and Godspeed. I hope you'll find your friend. And the Flash says, I will, old man. You can count on it. And then as Barry Flash leaps into the hole, into Limbo, in the final panel of page eight, we get a close-up of the old man smiling and thinking, I'm doing more than that, Flash. I'm betting my life on it. So, over the page to page nine, the caption for the first panel. Then, as the Scarlet Speedster fades from one plane of existence to materialise in another... This feels all very familiar, doesn't it? Yes. Barry passing into weirdly cosmic-looking other places. Mm-hmm. Seems to be happening to him a lot these days, so... <laughs> I wonder if he's going to see Sargon in here as well. <laughs> Barry's standing and stretching out before him is just this insane multicoloured domain, quite frankly. He's looking around, trying to take it all in, and he's thinking, So, this is Limbo. It's not even a nice place to visit. Still, Jay Garrick's around here somewhere, and I've got to find him. Panel 2, he goes rushing off along this very handy pathway, almost, of floating 
cosmic circles and I mean we're again spoiled for choice I hope you're reading along listeners because I'm not going to do this justice Barry's running along thinking at least my super speed is undiminished in this nightmare these crazy poker chips make handy stepping stones and it's almost now that he's surfing along on one particular little circular stepping stone in the next panel as he thinks somehow I'm attuned to Jay's own super aura it's leading me to him like a homing signal Caption for panel four of page nine. As if it were a surfboard, Flash steers his bizarre conveyance through the currents of the void until... Yep, finally, thankfully, in the foreground we see Mr. Garrick floating like we saw him in a crystal ball. As Barry approaches, he thinks... It's Jay, I found him! But he's so still, so silent. Am I too late? In the final panel of page nine, Barry has got a hold of Jay and has laid him out on the circular platform that he's floating on which now leads us to an image that's very similar to the cover, yeah. but not quite really, because someone's missing, obviously. Barry starts to examine Jay and thinks, Thank heaven. His breathing is regular. He's just unconscious. A little super speed massage to get the circulation going should take care of that. And we arrive at the top of page 10. And short moments later... And thankfully, Jay Garrick Flash is sitting up, looking a bit more alert, and he says, Where am... Barry, what are you doing here? Funny, I was waiting to ask you the same thing. What's a nice guy like you doing in a place like this? <laughs> Both stand up in the next panel. It looks quite frankly standing in the middle of like some kind of nineteen eighties style clothing boutique or yes. something. The way the, the decorative <laughs> shapes are sort of arranged around them. It's quite funny. Jay straightens his helmet and says, It's no joke, Barry. The fate of my world depends on my success here. I've lost enough time as it is. Come on, I'll tell you about it on the way. Lead on, amigo. I didn't bring a road map. He starts speeding off in the next panel, rushing through this psychedelic, oddly shaped background. Some great, great panels on this page. Um, I really hope you're reading along. As they're speeding along, Jay is saying, Somewhere, amid this lunacy, a meteor runs rampant. An extra special meteor. Unless I find it and deflect its course back into reality, my Earth is doomed. But why, Jay? What's that meteor supposed to do? That's what bothers me, Barry. I haven't the vaguest notion, nor how I even know about the doom. But I must find that meteor, or I'll die. I love this panel. Mm -hmm. It's almost like they're rushing, they're running out of it in a way. Yeah. Some excellent stuff from Irv Novik. This is definitely going in a tweet and on Instagram. That's a cracker. So we arrive at the top of page 11. Meanwhile, in Dalvan's apartment... Yes, we see the silhouette of a figure looking at the crystal ball. The crystal ball, we can see Barry and Jay running along together, and this silhouetted figure, who's obviously eavesdropping what Barry and Jay are saying, says himself, Wrong, Flash. Unless you locate that meteor, it is I who will die. That's why I sent you to Limbo and implanted that doomed Earth thought in your mind. You'd willingly risk your life to save your world, but never to rescue your old arch-enemy, Vandal Savage. Yes, and Vandal stands revealed. Nice full-length shot. We can see the crystal ball. Fancy chair standing behind him. He looks unchanged from when we last saw him in Flash 137. Mm -hmm. He gets a nice moody close-up in panel three as he continues. Who'd have thought that one day my life would depend on the abilities of a man I've tried to kill? Who'd have thought my life would depend on anything, considering I am immortal? The next few panels are rounded off because they're all a bit flashbacky. We're going to walk through them. Caption for the first one. Vandal Savage ponders and his mind drifts back. Back! 50,000 years to the time when he was known as Vandaraj. 
leader of Cro-Magnon men, and witness to a stellar phenomenon that would change his ultimate destiny. Yes, and we see a shot of this Vander Adge standing in his furry loincloth, bearing a stone axe, looking up at the meteor that's hurtling down towards him from the sky. The caption for the next panel. Vandaraj watched the flaming meteor's approach, and the world exploded into darkness above him. Nice hint of Kirby dots there, actually, as the, the meteor explodes. Right at the top mm. of page 12 now. For months, Vandaraj lay as one dead, and when at last he arose, he was no longer like ordinary men. Vandaraj had become immortal. He witnessed the extinction of the Cro-Magnon, the evolution of races beyond, and still... He lived on to walk the streets of ancient Sumer as its king, to construct the great pyramids as the pharaoh Cheops, to plunder as Genghis Khan, then to aid the conquest of others as consort of Napoleon, and as Bismarck's aide de camp. Yes, that first panel of page 12 cleaned up in the socials, safe chance of it. Nice little montage showing Vandal through time in different outfits and in different situations. Very interesting that he's flagged up there as being Genghis Khan. Very, very interesting. <laughs> very interesting. Bear that in mind for an upcoming episode. That's all I'm going to say yes. at this point. Caption then for panel two of page 12. It was Vandal Savage who first drew the Justice Society of America out of retirement as victims of his planned world conquest. Yes, and it's a flashback to issue 137. We see Vandal with his nice fancy cigarette in its holder, beholding Wonder Woman and Hawkman being held in their glass cabinet, and a little asterisk takes us to a footnote that says... Editor's notes, as recounted in Vengeance of the Immortal Villain in the March 1972 Flash. Yes, which, as we said, was Flash 213, which reprinted 137. I bet you're glad that we look all this information up, listeners. <laughs> Caption in for the final panel of page 12. And as a frantic Vandal Savage lets his memories fade... Yep, he's back into looking at the crystal ball, watching Barry and Jay as he says... How could I have been so stupid to miscalculate as I did? Mine has been an exceedingly long life, granted, but I am far from immortal. What? First panel of page 13, we see him looking into a mirror and thinking. Time is catching up with me. I'm acquiring grey hair, wrinkles. Unless I bathe in the radiations of that ages-old fireball once more, my spark will soon be extinguished. Interesting. It comes to us all, Vandal. I see a different white hair on my eyebrows every day. This is really ridiculous. Anyway, hmm. Panel 2, page 13. Vandal has his fancy cigarette holder out. Vandal, that's not going to help your ageing either. Come on, <laughs> do yourself a favour, mate, honestly. Anyway, Vandal continues to ruminate for the rest of the page. Utilising scientific devices created by my fellow Injustice Society members, I learned that the meteor did not explode. An atmospheric disturbance shifted it into limbo. He picks up Jay Garrick's helmet that Barry left behind in the next panel and thinks... Since I was unable to go to the meteor, I arranged for someone to bring it to me. Using the Society's mind-control device, I convinced a sleeping Flash that the fate of Earth depended on his bringing that meteor out of limbo. He throws the hat aside as he sits down in the next panel, continues to think. When Flash's super-speed power proved unequal to the task, I shifted his counterpart from the other Earth to ours, disguising myself as an old man, so Flash wouldn't suspect the real purpose behind all this. A very moody shot of Vandal runs out of this page. He looks down into the crystal ball. 
casting his leg up to his face. He looks kind of like a cross between David Hasselhoff and Noel Edmonds, if you ask me. Yes. We see Jay and Barry speeding along in the crystal ball, and Vandal thinks, And my disguise may well have been prophetic, for unless the flashes return soon, I won't need any disguise. Gosh, top of page 14, listeners now. Caption for the first panel. As the two unwary pawns continue their bizarre quest. Yes. Barry and Jay appear to be running through the title sequence atop of the Pops circa 1988 at this point. Mm-hmm. Barry says, You sure you know where you're leading us, Jay? I can't tell heads from tails in this place. Don't worry, Barry. I know what I'm doing. I'm being drawn to that meteor like a bear takes to honey. Sure enough, in panel two, everything's gone black. All the fancy shapes have vanished, but speeding through this black void is the meteor. Barry Flash points at it and says, Jay, look! Either that's what we're hunting for, or I'm a comet's cousin. Let's bag it, quick. Not so fast, Barry. Last time I tried to touch that thing, its radiations knocked me cold. But we don't have to touch it to handle it, Jay. First we overtake it, then you follow my lead. And it looks in this point as if they've split into two, as if they're starting to circle round the meteor. One body going from the left, Jay going from the right. Jay replies, of course, what a fool I've been. I should have thought of it myself. The next panel, panel 4, page 14, both flashes are now joined together again, rushing along in front of the meteor, dragging it behind them. Jay says, Travelling at this speed, we've trapped the meteor in our backwash. Wherever we go, the fireball follows. Swell, but now that we've got it, what do we do with it? What I came here to do, Barry, send it back to Earth. And Barry looks very concerned at Jay's words. First panel of page 5, they're still rushing along through the void, dragging the meteor behind as Jay says... The meteor had to achieve a certain velocity to be thrust into this limbo to begin with. If we get it to reach that speed once more, we'll set it free. Twin scarlet streaks race through the abstract, carrying a pulsating burden to unimaginable speeds, when suddenly... Jay cries, Now, Barry! Now! And he turns off to the left, Barry turns off to the right. The caption of panel three... For scant instants, the meteor's glow increases, then abruptly fades, leaving only ripples to mark where it had been. Yeah, there's a trail of fire in the air. I want to say the air, whatever you get in limbo. Above them, hundreds of core-centric circles and weird patterns all around as the meteor hurtles on ahead. J-Flash says, It's gone, Barry. Return to reality to save my Earth. And that's where we'd better be heading, Jay, to make certain that Fireball does its job right. They start rushing off again in the next panel. Barry says, All we have to do is match the meteor's vibrations and... I know, Barry. I know. Man, it'll be good to get home again. I owe Joan an explanation. And no doubt Iris is waiting for one, too. Ooh, cries Jay as they're both interrupted by a couple of golden bursts of energy. They've stopped him on the tracks. Goodness me, what's going on? We're back with Vandal in the first panel of page 16. He sees this happening in his crystal ball and he says, There'll be no explanations, Flashies. Not in this life. Your super speedsters have more than served your purpose. He steps away from the crystal ball in panel two, saying, There is no further need for you, Flashes. No need for me to open Limbo's gates for you as I did for the meteor. You remain where you are. An eternal memorial to my lifelong victory. He exits the room in panel three, looking back and saying, And now I must rush to keep a date with a meteor. I'm 50,000 years late as it is. Gosh. Caption in for panel four. Two unconscious figures drift silently through the void, tangling now and again in the fibers of infinity until at last they are swept into a stream of sparkling energy. Fibers of infinity. 
is probably the name of a nice clothing emporium that would have all those nice weird shapes in the background at some point in the 80s. Probably. Yes. Yes, nice shot of Barry and Jade drifting through what just looks like sparkly cosmic dust. There's a caption for the final panel of page 16. Down the stream they float, tumbling end over end, deeper and deeper into the glimmering darkness until something impedes their progress. Something powerful and alive. Yes, we see a pair of hands reaching in, grabbing Barry by his right arm, grabbing Jay by the scruff of his neck, back of his, his top. Hands that are at the end of arms wearing gauntlets of green sleeves and we turn the page, we're at the top of page 17, a caption says, In a realm without reason, it is impossible to say how long it takes the two weary speedsters to regain consciousness. But when they finally do... Yes, there's a figure standing over them, wearing tight-fitting green spandex, for want of a better way of putting it. He's a green sort of skull cap, orange belt, orange gauntlets, like I said, deeper green trunks and boots. He's a white hourglass symbol on his chest. He's a long moustache, thick, dark eyebrows. Kind of looks a bit like John Cleese as Tim the Enchanter, if you ask me, but wearing a different outfit. Yes, yes, I can see that. Anyway, um, that's given me an idea for his voice. <laughs> but I don't know, we'll see how that goes. Jay looks up at this guy and says, Now what? Who's this? How'd we get here? And the chap in green says, I brought you here. To save your lives, I am Tempus, guardian of this, the time stream. Barry, we can't see his face, but he looks baffled, I'm sure. He says, Time stream? What in blazes is that? And then a very Neil Adams looking panel, which I'm sure is probably drawn by Dick Giordano to pad this all out. Tempus says, Time is a river, a circle with no beginning or end. We stand at a stop point along that stream. A place called Now. Were you to move along the flow in one direction or another, you would be lost to Now and doomed to travel the circle endlessly. It is my task to see no one falls victim to that doom. Jay looks a bit sceptical, takes Barry by the arm in the next panel and says, Barry, you realise that this is our way out of this nightmare. It's obvious that we can't leave the way the meteor did. Our bruises prove that. But since time is a circle... We can travel that path till we reach the same moment we originally entered Limbo. Barry says in the next panel, Let's risk it. We've no other choice. To which Tempest booms, I'm afraid you've forgotten my task, frail mortal. I cannot let you pass. He's like a tall, out-of-space Billy Connolly stroke Sean Connery, <laughs> isn't he? It's the, only, it's the only way I can yes. do it. Just when I realised yes. how much he looked like Tim. <laughs> Tempest folds his arms Firmly in the first panel of page 18, as he says, It is for your own good. The time stream is a violent place. Barry Flash says, We've managed to survive before you, friend. No reason to change that now. And rather surprisingly, Tempus strikes out and slaps Barry in panel two, knocking him down, saying, Then I fear I must force you to comply, to save you from yourselves. And... Jay exclaims at this point, Hey! And it's worth pointing out that um, in this panel, Jay's been coloured with having yellow hair. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Must be effect of this dimension. <laughs> I think it must be. Um, maybe Barry has looped in from... I don't know, anyway. Jay isn't happy. He lunges towards Tempest in panel three, saying, If you've hurt him, I'll... Ah, he's not solid. Fitting away. Tempest is loving this. He laughs. Ha ha ha! Of course, frail one. 
How do you expect to harm someone who can shift himself along the time stream? Barry's rubbing his jaw, and he looks up and says, I'm not sure, pal, but you can bet we're going to try. Then the caption for the final panel of page 18 says, And try they do, these valiant men. They try, and they fail, time and time again, to overcome the solitary sentry that stands between them and possible escape. The single sentinel poised between limbo and life. Yes, a nice little montage of Tempest basically hopping out of the way of Barry and Jay trying to punch him. We arrive at the top of page 19. A caption for the first panel says, Until finally... Tempest, looking massive. Look at his big scary hands, he's terrifying. He says, Well, frail ones, have you had enough? Jay whispers to Barry. Don't know about you, Barry, but I'm pooped. There's got to be a better way to handle this. And I think I know what it is. Listen. Caption for panel two. A few whispered words and moments later... Jay rushes forward, strikes a punch at Tempest with his left hand, saying, Sorry to take so long, Tempest, but we'd a few things to discuss. Foolish ones, cries Tempest, you... And he steps out of the way as Barry, who's barreling around, flinging punches left and right, turns around and arrives just where Tempest has shifted himself to be by moving out of Jay's way. Barry then manages to land a punch on Tempest, who falls backwards, exclaiming, Ugh! And I hope you're reading along, listeners, and manage to follow that properly if you're not. Tempest rubs his own jaw in panel three, saying, Congratulations! You're the first ever to defeat me. I find it a most peculiar feeling. You have won the right to travel the time stream. To which Barry says, Sorry to gang up on you like that, Tempest, but the law of averages said one of my random punches had to make contact. It did indeed, says Tempest, looking much happier about things as he stands up in the final panel of page 19. May your journey be a safe one, he says, as Barry and Jay rush off into the cosmic dust. Jay, looking back, says, Thanks, Tempest. I hope we don't need your good wishes along the way. To which Barry says, Come on, Jay, let's get moving. We've got an eternity to go. Awesome. First panel, page 20, both flashes are rushing along. It's almost like a blue carpet filled with yellow and white cosmic stars. Jay is saying, By maintaining a constant top speed on this bespangled ribbon way, We've got a fighting chance to complete the circuit before we're both old men. To which Barry says, What a depressing thought. You ought to... Hey, what's happening to us? As he says in panel two, and we suddenly notice that both he and Jay have got very long white beards. They look like my boss Dumbo. It's hilarious. Barry continues, We are growing older with each step we take, but why? We're caught in a time backwash. If we don't traverse the effect, we're goners. Hey, wait a second says Jane in an insert. That might just be the answer. I can't explain why, but running backwards reverses the backwash's effect. We're regaining our youth, and that's what they've done. Both flashes have reversed themselves and are now running backwards along this cosmic carpet, and we can see the white beards fading out and their youth returning. Barry says, Too bad we can't bottle this stuff. There's a lot of old folks who'd pay a pretty penny to regain some of that. Barry, you surprise me. Such mercenary talk from a hero like you. Hate to change the subject, Jay, but I think we've just discovered the cause of that backwash. Take a look. Listeners, what's your favourite cause of a backwash? Write in and let us know. 
Um, we should point out at this juncture that Barry and Jay have now turned around and are running forwards again. A tiny caption says, continued in the fourth page following. We passed an advertisement for some posters and some Jack Kirby stuff and a double-page spread for Columbia Record Club. Let's who do we spot here then this time? Donny Osmond, Santana, Three Dog Night, Carpenters, Steppenwolf, Barbara Streisand, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. There you go. Seen Gary Puckett live, listeners. Barbara Streisand, Black Sabbath, The Moody Blues, seen them live. Um, Johnny Mitchell, yeah, the Osmonds again, as you say. Bob Dylan, Rosby Stills, Nash and Young, all sorts of folk. Bee Gees. The Fifth Dimension, Chris Christopherson, mm -hmm. Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Simon and Garfunkel, the Beach Boys, 10 Santana. years after. Wow. Awesome. Joan Baez, Humble Pie, James Taylor. Stephen Wolf for Ladies Only. Superb. Jimi Hendrix, Cat Stevens, The Partridge Family, Janis Joplin, excellent. Stephen Stills, BB King, all sorts of stuff. Kenny Rogers, yes, all sorts of stuff. I think maybe for the bonus features for this episode, Peter and I will select our 14 choices for these each our own 14 choices for the records and we'll each make up a playlist picking one song from each record and we'll do them on YouTube and we'll add those to the socials. No, we won't. Take far too long. Yes. Anyway, first panel of page 21. As the flashes continue along the cosmic carpet, there appears to be, well, very helpfully, Jay points out what's in front of them as he says, A whirlpool. How do we get past that? It covers the width of the stream. Barry says, Well, you know what they say, pal. If you can't lick him, join him. No reason we can't use this thing's whirling speed to help us on our way. And with that, both flashes jump into the whirlpool and start racing round it. Caption for panel three. For a time without time, the twin flashes are caught in the whirlpool's grasp, adding its incredible speed to their own, when suddenly, as if shot from a cannon... Yes, they both... Looks like they both just jumped out. Barry cries, We're free! Let's make up for last time, says Jay, and they start rushing off. Final panel of page 21, we realise it's not really so much a carpet, it's almost like a river or a stream that had been running along because, well, as they run along, Jay is saying, Tempest was right. The time stream isn't about to make things simple for us. Look ahead, Barry cries. A waterfall of time. Breathtakingly beautiful, and I bet just as deadly. Waterfall of time, that sounds like it should be a big finished Doctor Who story or something, doesn't it? Yeah. Caption for the first panel, page 22. Like salmon returning to the spawning ground, the fastest men alive battle the terrible current, knowing they must reach the top of the falls or die. Yes. Running up the cosmic waterfall, Barry is saying, We're making headway, Jay. Pour on the speed. Push. I'm right behind you, Barry. All the way. But as Barry Flash gains the top of the falls... Yep, Jay's not having too good a time. He seems to wobble. He says, Lost my footing. Falling. Barry says, Be right with you. And the caption for panel three says, Faster than the eye can follow, a crimson-gloved hand snakes out and... Barry says, Gotcha. As he grabs hold of Jay's hand, stopping him from falling. Thank goodness. Barry continues, You didn't expect me to finish this trip alone, did you? I've got to have someone to talk to. Thanks, Barry. That's one I owe you. Then they rush off again. Barry says, You don't owe me anything, Jay. You're my friend. That's payment enough. Now come on, we've still got centuries to cover. The twin flashes hurtle along, and countless centuries pass beneath their swift-shot feet. Eons unborn and decades decaying pass quickly away, until... Yes, it looks like they're running into a big firework display, quite frankly. <laughs> yes. Jay says... We've done it, Barry. We've reached the end of time. From this point forward, history repeats itself. And we'd better be a part of that history. And as we arrive at the top of page 23, 
The caption for the first panel there says, Time melts and shapes itself before the startled speedster's eyes, and... Yeah, it's quite weird. The sort of people-shaped shapes sort of forming out of the dust in front of them. It's very odd. Jay's saying, Something's forming in the ether in front of us, Barry. It's history. We're catching fragments of events as they occur in time. Yes, the caption for the next panel says, And what events they are. The panorama of man unfolds before them, finally focusing on a single important sequence in both their lives, and they suddenly realise... It's another little montage of recent events. We can see Vandal Savage removing his old man disguise, Vandal Savage charting the progress of the meteor, and Vandal Savage watching Barry Flash running through the hole in the wall into limbo. As they see all this, Barry says, We've been had! Vandal Savage has been using us, and I for one resent it! You've got a talent for understatement, Barry, says Jay, in the next panel, looking very carmine, actually. Yes. Barry says, We'll be reaching our escape point soon. We've got to stop Savage from using that meteor, or we'll be responsible for the havoc he wreaks. But before Barry Flash can reply... Yes, there's a massive burst of golden energy and a big blink, blink. sound effect, which is funny because that means after the end of time being mentioned on the previous page, that's the <laughs> second Doctor Who episode to be episode title to be mentioned in consecutive pages. That's fascinating. Mm. Jay's vanished. Barry thinks... Jay's gone. Back to reality. And I'm next... We arrive at the top of page 24. Nearly there, listeners. Night looks down with starlit eyes upon the sleeping city. Night and one other. See Vandal Savage standing at the top of a hill. You can see some trees all around. I like to think it's the same wooded area that Barry nailed his costume to when he quit as the Flash in issue 159. <laughs> Fight me if I'm wrong. Vandal looks up at the sky. You can see stars twinkling and he says, It's almost time. I have to be standing at the exact spot when the meteor appears, or its radiations will be wasted. A few more moments and... And off-camera, a voice says, You'll be warming up your old cell. Vandal turns around in panel two, sees Barry and Jay rushing towards him. Vandal says, The Flashies, you've escaped. Barry Flash says, It really wasn't polite to leave us alone that way, Savage. Vandal says in the next panel, You won't stop. Stop me, I have too much at stake. And he must have made some arrangements because, well, Jay helpfully tells us what's happening. A steel mesh net springing out of the ground? It'll pin us down. Surely that's what's happened. This net sprung up out of the ground and circled both of them. They're both trapped by the net. The final panel of page 24, which is captioned. Suddenly the sky begins to shimmer and pulse. And moments later... Yes. The meteor has arrived. It's roaring down out of the sky towards Vandal, who's standing with his arms outstretched, waiting for it as he says, Observe, Flashies. It comes. My way to immortality approaches, precisely on schedule. Nothing can stop me now. Lots of Doctor Who quotes almost going on. We arrive <laughs> at the top of page 25. Vandal looks delighted. The caption says, Eyes glitter with expectation. The world's oldest villain watches the approach of his passport to eternity. Yes, the meteor is roaring closer. Capture for panel two. The flaming meteor screams through the heavens, arcing closer, ever closer to its moment of destiny. Vandal, who suddenly looks a bit like Chris Pine to my eyes, exclaims, <laughs> Oh, no. And the capture for panel three. And Vandal Savage comes to a dawning, shocking realisation. 
Yes, Vando's been a bit thick, if you ask me, if he hasn't thought about this. The meteor is almost upon him, roaring. You can feel the heat from the page as Vandal cries, It's not going to stop! And then the caption for panel four. The blazing fireball strikes with the force of Prometheus unbound, spewing mud and flame in bubbling gouts across the clearing. And there's a massive explosion. Touch of the Kirby's to it. Massive explosion. We can see in the foreground that Jay and Barry, it looks like the net is twisting around them. They're both moving. And then the caption for panel five says, And when the smoke is finally dispersed. Yes, in the distance there's a big plume of red and purple smoke. Barry gets to his feet saying, Savage is gone. That meteor scored a bullseye on the exact spot he was standing. Jay says, The explosion would have finished us too. If we hadn't vibrated most of the explosions forced through us. Stands up, final panel, he says, ironic. If it hadn't been for that atmospheric disturbance, the meteor would have hit the Earth all those centuries ago. Vandal Savage waited 50,000 years for death to catch up to him. Death, Jay? I wonder. The phoenix rolls from its own ashes, too. Two flashes walk away from the, the crater that's been created by the meteor, and a small caption tells us that this is... The end. end. Well, then... That didn't need to be 25 pages at all. <laughs> a lot of filler there. I have the feeling, right? See if you just went from halfway down page 16 mm -hmm. to halfway down page 20, you'd be fine. <laughs> Tempus, you know, as fun as he was to do his voice. <laughs> Looking at the stylings, I think that's, I think that's the... I think Dick Giordano and Irv Novik must have rocked that up to pad out the comic to fill because they thought, right... We can't find this other reprint, or the reprint we're going to use is too short. How can we stretch this out to 25 yes. pages? Well, to be honest, having Dick Giordano involved is usually a giveaway for these sort of things, because basically he was known as a very fast inker and also an excellent pencil in his own right. Yes, And yes. it would always be a major hint that if he was added onto a creative team, it's usually because they're falling behind and he's doing some fill-in stuff. Yeah. If he takes over his inker. And if he's taking over his pencil, it means they've really fallen behind because they could just get stuff out and get it done and was absolutely reliable. Yeah. It was always a big hint. That never <laughs> changed, man. Honestly, he was he was great. I was I was always a fan. Really, you know, never met him or anything. But he was always a, yeah. a fan of his, his columns through the, the DC Comics oh, and 80s. I remember some mm -hmm. of the, the Green Lantern backup strips and Flash in the 220s, 230s are completely mm -hmm. drawn by Dick because yeah. you sort of think, right, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> you, just, you just have this sense of him. I don't know if he was an executive at that point, but you almost have this sense of him sort of going, right, hang on, huh. right, give me the pages, I'll do it, and draws it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. But to a really yep. high standard. It never yes. looks like it's like a rush job or it's been phoned in or anything he's he was he was always he was always good yeah he did some great uh elongated man backup stories that i really enjoyed around about this time it's not a couple of years either way i think right but yeah they were always good fun and his artwork his actual pencil work is just fantastic we just didn't see enough of it to be honest yeah 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 i remember saying as much to mr root a long long time ago mm -hmm. interesting van Rook was back in his you know He's the instigator and all that, but you know, he's it's almost like he's just sort of standing waiting around for everything to happen in a way. Yeah, it's really interesting to see him uh, back and uh, again with his plundered Injustice Society gadgets that he had last time as well, mm. which is quite funny. <laughs> it's almost as if he can't do anything himself. I wonder if this is the same costume that he designed for himself that lets him fly, I wonder. I can't remember how 137 finished, to be honest. I'm going to go, I'm gonna have to go check. And my handy <laughs> copy of, of 213, hang on. All right, they just take him back to prison, right? The GSA yep. take him back to prison. So that's it. So he obviously got away from prison. 
Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Very underwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> it is a really nice recap of uh, Vandal's origins. Yes. And all the people he is, all the people he's purported to be or claims to be. Yes. That's fascinating. Consider that when, when we do a mm-hmm. certain comic in a, in a few weeks' time. Yeah, it's it really didn't need to be 25 pages at all, did it? That Tempest thing could have lifted out yeah. neatly, and it's uh-huh. it's a weird one. It's a weird one, very uneven. We've got this limbo dimension here, which Tempest seems to dwell in, but we've got a different limbo that turns up much later. In fact, there's several limbos that turn up. Yes, yes. It, within the pages of The Flash, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another limbo that turns up just after Ross Andrew finishes his editing work on it, and I think, I think is it Len that takes over as editor then? I think. Right. It's during the Carrie Bates run, which, uh, sure. which I love, which is shortly after this. We're really on the cusp of that just now. Well, Kent DC fans will know the, the events that we're alluding to. We're not going to talk specifically about what causes Barry to be in that particular limbo at that point just yet. No. We don't want to kind of do spoilers for it. We'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there in four years' time. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but another aspect of this, which is kind of like a flash forward, is this is not the first time Barry has dressed up as Jay because as a child, Barry used to dress up as Jay and run about playing with his childhood sweetheart, Daphne Dean. Ah, uh, that rings a bell. What's that from? Again, that's from one of the Carrie Bates stories, where there's a flashback. Oh, of course. That's There's a Carmine, there's a Carmine yeah. cover, isn't there? Yes, there yeah, certainly that's is. that's right. Ah, we'll probably cover that issue then, won't we? I'm sure we will, yeah. Huh? So Yeah, it's probably... We'll it's get there. Dre- yeah, uh-huh. a good while off. Good it's while in off. the 80s, but yes, it's quite far off. But I found that, as a major Flash fan, I found that really quite quite fun. Yes. It's almost like the money shot of this episode was just there on page two. It's Barry dressed up as Jay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it was fun. I have no voice left, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> We've done two episodes on the bounce here. I have no voice left. It's a nice run around. That's yeah. the only way for it. Mm-hmm. It almost in a way feels like they're bringing Vandal Savage back just to remind everyone about him. Yeah. Because it's almost like you get the sense they've got more plans for him. And, and indeed, it's not that long, really, as the crow flies before he, he appears again. Uh-huh. Still at this stage, very much a Flash villain, not quite, you know, tangled up with Superman like he, he gets, in, like, happens later on. Mm-hmm. The same way that Solomon Grundy gets tangled up with Superman. Mm-hmm. I don't really have too much more to say. I think the artwork's lovely. I love the, yeah. the kind of cosmicness of it. I like the intrigue of Vandal tricking Barry into helping him after yes. previously trying to get Jay to do it. And uh-huh. the the whole thing with the meteor returning is quite, quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm guessing that one of the devices Vandal's got from the Injustice Society is something that can teleport people across the multiverse, pretty much. Because obviously he's locked onto Barry and uh, he's managed to get him here. And his costume as well. Yes! Yeah, that's a point, actually. Hey, I mean, mm-hmm. we're not really shown how he got Barry over from Earth 1 and ended up in, in Jay's house. That's fascinating. Yeah. Did Iris wake up and Barry was missing? Looks like it. And also... Vandal obviously knows their secret identity, so he could do this. Mm-hmm. But to the public, no. Because Barry said he'd vibrate his face the way Jay does when he's out there, so no one will notice that it's not Jay. Right. But later on, when disguised Vandal shows Jay in limbo, Barry says, The Flash! Jay Garrick! Revealing his secret identity to this old man. So I don't know if Jay's identity is public enough, so why Barry vibrate his face? Hmm. Why? Right. Well, I mean, Barry saying he'd vibrate his face to disguise his features, that's obviously him sort of 
throwing back to the, the thing that people have always said, how does Jay Garrick disguise you know, yeah. himself when he doesn't wear a uh-huh. mask? So there's always a reference to that, but I don't know if Jay's identity was public and Barry wouldn't have to do, well, the Flash wouldn't have to do that, but Barry wants to be, I suppose, wants to, doesn't want people to know that he's not Jay. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's messy, isn't it? Yeah. And why was Barry's costume not in his ring if he just came over? Because it wasn't Jay's ring. Yeah, that's, that's a point as well. Yeah. yeah. That was weird. That is interesting. I wish you hadn't thought of that because that's going to annoy me now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a good point. Yeah. Shall we see if the readers at the time had any thoughts about these issues that we've raised? Yes, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, so we'll jump ahead to the Flash issue 218. Flashgrams. Okay then, so the first letter says, Dear Editor, as the world's number one crusader for the return of supervillains, may I be among the first to say, it's about time. But despite the gruelling weight, Flash 215 came off quite wonderfully. Death of an Immortal, Len Wein, Arvnovic, Frank McLaughlin, Dick Giordano, a team comparable to Foxbroom Infantino Jail of yesteryear. The brilliant gimmicks, such as the switching of the two Flashes, the overdue return of Vandal Savage, the science fiction theme, reminded me so much of the good old days that the old specs were showered in tears. Oh, The visuals, 13 Flash tricks, that's 10 more than over the last four years. Flash was Flash! Not some goop who thinks he's Bob Hayes. Len's marvellous narrative, real broomish, foxish dialogue and sensational situations made this story. Believe me, this is the way a tale should be written. The artwork by Messrs Novick, McLaughlin and Giordano was done in the classic Infantino style. My gosh, I haven't been so excited in years. Keep it up, keep it up! And that's from Joe M. Ferrara, Canton, Massachusetts. Wow, some real positivity there. That's very exciting. Yes. I kind of agree what he says, actually. This felt like, I mean, aside from the cover of being yet another crying Barry cover. I know. I wasn't going to mention that. <laughs> there was a lot of fun. Yeah, so editorial response then. Since you've left us no way to go but up, we are doubling up a duo of Rogues Gallery villains, Mirror Master and The Top in next issue's Million Dollar Death Trap. Julie Schwartz. That's a great story. I love that one. I, re- I remember that cover. Yes, that's that's a good one. Right. Here's the next letter. Dear Editor, Mr. Schwartz, in the present comics scene and the onrush of attempts of realism and relevancy, Flash has had only two foes who I consider realistic or most acceptable. These are Grodd the Super Gorilla and Vandal Savage the Immortal Villain. I can much more readily accept these two than the plethora of costumed villains our flashy hero has battled in years past. Len Wein captured something out of the past in his superbly plotted Death of an Immortal. Not only do we have Flash's most fiendish foe, we have a plot which may have easily been ripped off from John Broom's or Gardner Fox's typewriter. Remember those good old days when we were presented with an inexplicable, unbelievable mystery or situation involving the Flash? Why was the Flash doing such a thing? How did the Flash get into such a mess? Yeah, those were the good old days... And Mr. Wayne has captured all that magic, plus a little of his own innovations tossed in for good measure. That's from Christopher Gurichik from Burlingham, California. Yeah, he makes a good point, actually. It did feel a bit, mm-hmm. you know, lively and quite, you know, it felt like a, a proper Silver Age flash story in some ways, didn't it? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh-huh. You know, even allowing for the massive amounts of padding, it seemed. Anyway, Yeah. no editorial response to that one. So the next letter says, Dear Editor, Of late, you've apparently been trying to please both factions of fans by devoting Green Lantern to relevant stories and Flash and Superman to traditional science fiction. And now, GL has reached the end of his power beam. 
It's too bad. I did like him. But now there can be no question as to which type of story puts a comics magazine high on the sales list. And if you keep on printing stories like Death of an Immortal in Flash 215, it's sure to stay there. Although Carrie Bates has adequately filled John Broom's shoes, it's <gasps> another Gardner Fox that's required for a double Flash story, and that's exactly what Glenn Ween is. Well, perhaps he does have a little way yet to go. A few of his captions were a trifle stilted to open brackets, e.g. Know you that there are infinite Earths. Close brackets. Though most were reasonably good. <laughs> I'm criticising captions is funny. <laughs> and it's a bit jarring to find a human being in the middle of limbo. Fox would have made Tempest an alien being. And that's from our old pal, Richard H. Morrissey, Framingham, M.A. Massachusetts. He's right though, Fox would have made Tempest an alien being. That's a very good point. Although it would have robbed us of that amazing visual of a weird... Our man-esque cosplay. Yes, I did like Tempest. I hope he comes back. He probably won't. When we write our DC comic, we're probably Oh, he's definitely him. coming back. <laughs> I kind of now want to write a story for the android Our Man. Hey, maybe it's going to be Tempest that's going to be behind all the nonsense in the Stargirl miniseries. <laughs> At time of recording, we've got one episode to go, folks. One issue to go. So, yeah, that's 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 interesting. That's interesting to think about. Mm. Mm-hmm. Tempest, yeah, I mean, he seemed to be the sort of guy that that should have come back at some point. Yeah. The fact that he's just there and gone in three pages really just does scream, yes, we've just done this to pad things out a bit. <laughs> it's another one of these cosmic entities that's created and chucked out there for one appearance mm. that we never see again and is never mentioned in Crisis of Infinite Earths. <laughs> yes. Do you think he meets Moppy for lunch every third Monday? <laughs> you know, Probably. That sort of thing. <laughs> That'd be quite funny. And that other, that Guardian from, yeah, from that Flash issue that you didn't want to cover. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They, were, they had the, the image of the... Yeah, God, they're, cause they're all quite similar in the way, actually. that Why didn't that character yeah. come back six issues later? Mm-hmm. Could have mm. been. Could have been. Interesting. Oh, well. These questions, listeners, that we'll never know the answer for. What do you think about all this stuff? You can let us know. You can write to us at theearth2podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on social media because we're putting up some lovely bonus material for this and indeed every episode on Facebook and Instagram at theearth2podcast and on Twitter at podcast underscore earth2. And it's the number two for all our social media. As I always say, if you can be bothered to summon energy to give us a review somewhere, that would be lovely. If you'd like to go to our coffee page and buy Peter the price of a beverage, that would be lovely. Or still, we will be returning to the pages of The Flash very soon indeed. In a flash, some would say. <laughs> Before you know it. <laughs> but yes, bear in mind what we said about Genghis Khan. Yes, in this Len Wein written story. Yes. Anyway. On, on that, that bombshell. bombshell. <laughs> I've been Peter. And I've got just enough voice left to say I've been David. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again very soon on The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. Yes, Jay's up on a nice little raised platform. Um, He's being presented. No, he's not Jay. (laughs) It's Barry. Jay isn't happy. He reaches forward. Let's try that again. Jay isn't happy. He re- he, <clears throat> Davy's not happy either. Jay isn't happy. He lunges towards, what's he called again? Tempest. Tempest, sorry. <laughs> Pay attention, 007. <laughs>